Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What You're Reading. Today's episode will go alongside the blog post for February 24th. As always, in that post, I will link to all the books, the quotes, and literally anything else that I talk about here. You can find that post on tbqsbookpalace.com. While you're at it, feel free to find me on social media as well. For Twitter, that is the underscore book underscore queen. I'm listed under the same name for my Goodreads. Instagram is Danielle underscore TBQ. And if Tumblr is your thing, you've got two options. My safe for work Tumblr is the-book-queen.tumblr.com, while my completely not safe for work, no seriously, I warned you, this is just porn here, Tumblr is tbqafterdark.tumblr.com. Pick your social media poison and come join the fun. Did you miss me? You guys, I can't believe it has been, what, a month? It's literally been a month since I posted a podcast episode it's been crazy. Um, if you follow me like on Twitter and that, you probably know some of why this was. At first, I got horribly, horribly sick through like the last part of January. The cold from hell hit me hard. I swear I don't know how to talk anymore because it's been so damn long. My voice is like, you want to sit and chat? What the hell? No, we didn't sign up for this. It's too early in the morning. But I kind of want to talk for a minute. It's not just that I was sick. Doing the podcast is a lot of work, but it's not just that. It's the fact that it's doing the podcast on top of doing everything for the blog and Twitter. Let's be honest, Twitter is like its own thing connected to the blog, but I put probably just as much work into Twitter as I do the actual blog itself. Some of it is actual work and a lot of it is just me fucking around on Twitter because Twitter. Um... But it's it's doing the podcast, it's doing the blog and social media, it's, you know, taking care of stuff in my own life and family and stress and responsibilities and there's not enough damn time in the day to do any of this stuff. And all of that was just kind of crushing in on me. But then on top of that, I was also reaching this point where my anxiety and my imposter syndrome, that's what you call it, correct, was kind of uh, flaring its ugly head. And by that, I mean, I didn't see the point in continuing to do a podcast because my brain was telling me that I had nothing to offer, that what I have to say on this podcast is not something that anyone wants to listen to, that I'm putting all this time and effort into something that is a waste. Um, my brain also tells me this about the blog itself. Oh, you've spent nine years on a blog and you spend hours a day on the blog and you don't make a living off this blog. So what the hell is the point, right? Uh, my brain is a lovely place at times. I'm sure many of you can understand. But I was getting to the point where my anxiety was telling me that nobody was listening. And I know better. I know some of you have been listening since the beginning and I'm thankful for that. And you guys are awesome. But it was also telling me that my podcast wasn't good and that there are so many others out there that are doing a much better job at it than I am, so why should I even bother? And it was kind of a mixture of things, right? It was, well, your audio quality is shit, so stop doing this. And you can't edit for shit, so stop doing this. 
And then it was just, you have nothing to say or what you say sounds stupid and you make a fool of yourself and you're not, you know, providing anything earth shattering to anyone listening. So just quit. That That's what my brain was telling me. That's honestly what my brain is still telling me, but I'm trying to push that back and move past it. So I had all of that kind of pushing in. So that was going on before I got sick, but I was trying to push through it, but it was getting harder and harder to do every you know week's episode. And then I got sick, so I had a legitimate reason not to be doing anything for the podcast while I was sick. But then once I got better, I still didn't feel like coming back and doing the podcast because again, the stress and the lack of time in my life and then you know, the anxiety telling me that no, nobody wants to listen to you, you're not good at this, you have nothing to offer, like all of that was pushing down on me again as well. And so I just took a step back and I says, okay, fine, I'm not going to do the podcast for now, I'll take a break from it, which, which is a good thing. Honestly, no matter what's going on, sometimes it's a good thing to take a step back from whatever is giving you stress or anxiety or is no longer fun for you, right? Take a step back, take a break from it. That's okay. Reevaluate, you know, find your balance in your life, come back to it, whatever. That's my tip to you on anything going on. It's okay to take a step back and to take a break. And that's, that's what I did. I can't promise that I'm going to be back to doing this every Saturday like I planned. I feel like doing that... Like I said, I've just got so much going on and not nearly enough hours in the day. It was just becoming too stressful. And like anything else, I've always said if something is more stress than fun, especially where it's something that I'm doing that is, you know, literally just a labor of love for fun because I don't make an income off of any of this, you know, that's that's the point when I have to cut back or I have to rebalance things. So I don't know that I can guarantee I will have a podcast up every Saturday, but it will, when I do have one, it will always be on a Saturday. And when there is a podcast up, I will always have, you know, the blog post to go alongside it will go up. Now, when I don't have a podcast episode up for the week, I still do the what you're reading post on the blog, which is just, you know, here's a list and a quick summary of what I read for the week and what I'm reading for the weekend. And if I had any um, links to share for Twitter or, you know, Romance Landia, drama or whatever going on, like I still have that post up and I, I've had it up every weekend while I've been gone from the podcast. So my point is, I don't know that I'll be here every single Saturday, but there will always be the blog post going up on Saturday. And, you know, obviously I have blog posts going up all during the week, different stuff like that. So I just, I hope that even when I'm not able to continue to update this podcast like I planned, I hope that, you know, you can still find me in the blog and, you know, my Twitter addiction and all that on the other places as well. And come say hi there. I think part of it was when I started doing the podcast, it was because I had a lot to say about, you know, some books that week or whatever. But then it became to the point where sometimes I'd sit down to record and I'd think, I really don't have a whole lot to say about this book. And so I'd have to force it. And then if you force it again, it's no longer fun. It becomes more stress than anything else. I'm kind of repeating myself. My point is, I think I'm also going to 
kind of approach the podcast in a different way where I'm not going to force myself. If I don't have much to say about a book, I'm just not going to say anything about it. If I don't have much to say about what was going on in Romance Landia that week, then I'm not going to force it and find something to ramble about. Just stuff like that. So the structure and the length and whatnot of the podcast might also kind of vary. And it just, it probably will. I don't really have anything set other than I will still be talking about romance novels. And it'll always go up on a Saturday when it goes up. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. But again, I just want to say thank you to those of you who do listen and who have been supporting this podcast from the first time that I uploaded something. And I know that the whole time I've been saying all this, some of you are out there thinking, no, you are great and we do care and, you know, your brain is wrong for thinking this and we want to keep listening to what you have to say. And I appreciate that and it means a lot and I hear you. But you also have to realize that no matter how many of you say that or how often you say that, that doesn't cancel out what my anxiety brain is saying to me, right? So I hear that you think that what I have to say is important, but I still have that inner voice in me that's telling me it's not and I need to just shut up and stop doing this podcast. So, um, and that's just something that I have to deal with and always have had to deal with. And um, that's pretty much the story of my blogging life. But let's let's see how this podcast turns out. So I'm back but I'm not back every week, I don't think. I really doubt it. I will see you guys when I see you guys, but it will be on a Saturday when it is. So let's get into the rest of this podcast, shall we? I'm recording this part on Friday and it is snowing outside. We have had a crazy winter. I think I've already said this to you guys before, but we are not getting the snow or the cold that we should be, which is going to really fuck us over come summer. We're already a dry state, so uh, we need all the help we can get in the winter, and we're getting like none of that this year. Thank you, global warming. But it's snowing, it's cold, it's gloomy. I would just love to just sit here with a cup of hot cocoa and a blanket and my book all damn day long, but life does not seem to think that that is a thing I should be allowed to do. So Instead, I will work and do stuff and try to fit in reading in between, and I'm sure many of you can understand that struggle. As to my reading week, I managed to finish four books. Most of those were solid reads that I really enjoyed and don't have a whole lot of anything to complain about, but there was one giant fail at the end of the week because I guess we can't always have nice things, can we? Gotta even it out somehow. So, without further ado, let's get into the book discussions. First up, I finished my audiobook of Wildfire by Alona Andrews, narrated by Renee Rodman. I'm giving this book and the trilogy overall a solid four stars. Now, this is told in first POV from the heroine only. I'm not going to go over this one just because I think you really need to read the series in order and I don't want to give away spoilers or, you know, have to sit here and try to explain the entire world or whatever. So I will say that if you are looking for a good urban fantasy type story with a strong romance element to it, this is a great series to pick up. Nevada, our heroine, is snarky and kick-ass. She works as a 
a private investigator, basically, and she does everything that she can to support her entire family. She is kind of like the head of the household, really. Her magic is that of a truth seeker, which is pretty rare in this world. And she falls for Rogan, an ex-military, now super rich, powerful, and very much feared man who has his own super strong magic as well. The romance is not really the main drive to this series, I will say that up front, but it is there and it's done pretty well. I was happy with it. The steam level is pretty mild with only a few brief scenes throughout the course of the three books, but again, I'm not really complaining. I just really enjoy this writing and the world and this fun cast of side characters. The audio is good too. Uh, I listened to both book two and three in audio, book one I read in print. <laughs> that was a while ago. Um, anyway, my only complaint with the audiobook portion of it is the narrator has a bad habit of pausing for way too long between chapters to the point that I always thought my phone had stopped working, only to find out a minute later that it was fine and finally I'd hear, you know, chapter 10, blah, 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 blah. But there was these really long gaps between it, and it was just kind of annoying because I literally would always stop, and I'm, you know, I listen when I'm out walking the dog, like I've said, or if I'm, like, doing stuff around the house. So it would go on for so long of a pause that I'd start to, like, hurry to try and get my phone out of my holder and look at it and, like, and then it would start up again. And it wasn't that it was my phone. It was literally just that was how much time either she paused or, you know, the editing people when putting the audiobook together. I don't know. But it's just a really long pause. Um, that's really a small thing to complain about, I realize, but, I mean, her narration itself was good. I like it. And the story on audiobook was good. My biggest complaint, I guess, is just way too long of a pause between the chapter headings. Overall, I definitely recommend Wildfire by Alona Andrews, though you must start with book one, which is, and I could be getting this wrong, I hope not, Burn For Me? Burn For You? Burn for someone. <laughs> I will have links to this book as well as books um, one and two and anything else like that in the podcast entry on the blog, as always. Next up, I finished Hello, Stranger by Lisa Claypiss, which comes out on February 27th, so just a couple days away. I'm giving this one four stars. Garrett is a doctor. In fact, she's the only female doctor in all of Britain, and she had to actually go to med school in France, I think it was, uh, somewhere else anyway, because none of the schools uh, in England would take her in. Ethan is a former detective who is currently doing some work for a government agency, but he's also secretly kinda rich. I won't spoil how that came about, you'll just have to wait and see. Oh, and did I mention that he's Irish? I mean, yes. Yes, please. So from the moment that Garrett walked on to the page earlier in this series, I had to have her story. I must say, while I did enjoy Hello, Stranger, it didn't quite live up to my probably too high expectations of it. Still a solid read, don't worry, but I wouldn't call this my favorite Lisa Claypiss. I loved watching Garrett take zero shit from 
anyone. Um, I loved seeing her show her competency and her passion for the medical field. It was just fun to see her trying to explain things medically, even when others weren't taking that so seriously. Um, for example, when Ethan is telling her, you know, that his hard-on that he has is just for her, and she doesn't quite believe that, and she wants to tell him all the ways that the body can randomly become aroused, that was, that was fun. I'm not gonna lie, that was a fun, um, exchange going on. Scrotal chafing. That's all I'm gonna say. Scrotal chafing. Ethan and Garrett were cute together, and they had more than a few swoony, lovey-dovey moments and lines and quotes, and I shared a whole bunch of them. I will link to that thread, of course. They also have pretty good chemistry, though the heat level for this one was pretty mild, and it was often more vague prose than anything truly explicit. I did get a kick out of Ethan trying to seduce Garrett in the last few chapters or so, and she's worried that he'll hurt himself by getting all worked up. We get this gem of a line from that. I've healed enough for this. As your doctor, I disagree. I'll prove it to you. He starts to jerk off. You're not really going to... Good God, stop that this ends... Oh, go on then and stimulate yourself to an aneurysm. Don't worry. He did not have an aneurysm. Both of them, however, did have a little death, if you get my meaning. As far as side characters go, I really loved seeing more of West. And let me tell you, he better get his book next, damn it, because I need it. I need it. I need it. His interactions, both with Ethan, they are distantly related, by the way, and even the ones with Garrett were just fun and made me smile, and I I really wanted more of those scenes, to be honest. So my one thing here was I felt like there was some uneven pacing, which occurred throughout most of the book. The first, I don't know, a third or so of the book was a bit slow moving. The latter portion of the book picked up some due to various shit that was going on for, you know, plot and whatnot. But then the ending was just suddenly right there and somehow I had reached the last page of the book but I didn't feel like the ending was that strong and it kind of came out of nowhere like I thought I still had more pages to go surely I still had more pages to go except for I'm looking at my book and going I've only got like two more pages to turn I don't feel like this is gonna be satisfying and it wasn't I mean it's not that I don't believe they're happily ever after it's just I wasn't really satisfied by how the book itself just ended. I just wanted a bit more from them and a bit more from the ending. Although if I stop and think about it, I think I've had that feeling with a lot of her books where it's like we get to the last page and suddenly it's a rush to wrap everything up and literally the next word is like the end. So now while this last thing doesn't affect my rating, it should also be noted that I read a print copy of this one and I'd be lying if I didn't say that that might have influenced my reading experience just a bit. I haven't read physical books in a long time. Like, it's probably been more than a year since I picked one up last. I'm so spoiled by my Kindle, and so I found it a bit harder to get into my, like, my reading groove, to hit my reading pace, you know, um, where where I could just like read right through and not, you know, be distracted or, or whatever, which can also, of course, be from outside uh, distractions. But 
you know what I mean? Where if you really get into the groove of what you're reading, it's just like you're focused solely on the story and nothing else matters. It took me a lot more to hit that groove here. And I honestly think part of it at least was I was having to read a print book and I just, I can't. I just can't do it. I am Kindle spoiled and I don't care. <laughs> None of that, of course, is Lisa Kleypas' fault or the story's fault. That's just, I was outside of my reading comfort zone as far as actually physically reading. So while Hello Stranger wasn't my favorite Lisa Kleypas ever, it was still really good. And it's Kleypas. I mean, enough said. I had a good time with it, though my wrists are definitely happy that I am finally done with it and can move back to my much easier to hold and use and share quotes from Kindle. Hopefully none of the background noise is coming through. That is called the joys of recording when you're not the only person that lives in the house. So, next up I finished my audiobook, Forbidden Promises by Katie Robert, narrated by Charlotte North. I'm giving this one four stars as well. Seems to be a theme for the week. I'm not exactly mad about it. <laughs> so this is a mafia-type romance. Um, some might call it a darker romance. Honestly, I don't see it that way simply because I have seen what are truly dark romances out there right now, and this is not that at all. Um, but it definitely does deal with the mafia you know, organized crime stuff. So Sloane, our heroine, is the daughter of an Irish mob boss in Boston. Pretty sure it's in Boston. And she's never really been a big part of the, you know, whole family business. <laughs> but she's always felt very much sheltered and controlled by what her family does and what they're part of and the danger and all that. Anyway, she finally wants to get out and have her own life. So in the previous book, one of her brothers helped her to get out and run away. So she figures that she is now well away from that life and she is fine to start over again. Except her new neighbor happens to have a connection to her old life. Jude, the hero, is a hitman. He is actually after her new sister-in-law and the sister-in-law's family. Uh, spoiler alert, he does not end up going after any of them like he was ordered to do and like he had planned to do. Um, so there's that. There's a bit of an age gap between them. If I remember right, he is 35, she is 24. Um, she is also a virgin before, you know, she gets it on with him. And if I'm recalling correctly, there is no misplaced hymen or, oh, that hurts so much type of thing going on. Like, it was just kind of a, hey, you're going to be on top and you set the pace, which, hey, I'm always here for that to begin with, virgin or not. The sex scenes are excellent. That's one thing that I do love about this series, about Katie Robert and her writing, is she does dirty talk and sexy times a plus. It just, they're, they're perfect. They're good. They are very, very good. And that's certainly the case in this one as well. I will admit that I was a bit unsure about Judith, you know, at first because, um, hey, he's a hitman. And um, I don't know. I, I ended up liking him. It ended up working for me, I think partly because of Katie Roberts' like writing style and how she handles this series. It just works for me, even though I am really not one for mafia romances and stuff like that, but it works for me in this one. 
But Jude isn't an innocent by any means, but he does have his, you know, boundaries and, and what he'll do and what he won't do. And I don't want to say that he's a good guy, but I mean, he's not... I've seen heroes that are a lot worse than him, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I think he does kind of mellow some with uh, Sloane in the picture, which is always great. What I really liked is he's very much kind of, you know, dominant and controlling um, in the bedroom. And he tries to be that way out, obviously. But Sloane is, like, not going to take his shit. And if he tries to say you know, what she can or can't do outside of the bedroom, she's like, uh, fuck you, no, you don't get a say in this. When we're in that bedroom and you're telling me what to do, that's one thing. Like, it's not BDSM type stuff, but, you know, if he's like, I'm the one in control here in this bed, she's like, that's fine. But when we're not in bed together, this is my own damn life and I have my own say in things and I'm not going to become, you know, your property or anything. I left that type of a life from my family. I'm not going to do that with you. And I appreciate that. I've said this before, but if there's going to be like a power difference or that sort of dynamic where you've got kind of the alpha hero that might be, you know, really possessive and um, take charge and stuff like that, if you're going to have that, I need the heroine, or if it's not an MF romance, then I need the love interest to be able to stand up to that and, you know, not take his shit. And that's what we get here. And I very much appreciated that. That's part of why this... Um, this book and this series overall works for me is that it could very easily turn into like iffy territory at times, but it doesn't because Katie Robert handles it, just handles it very well. So he is kind of um, possessive over her, but I never felt like he went into like alpha hole, you know, dickhead tendencies. So there's that. I think he was just, you're mine now, but she, like I said, she gives as good as she takes. So I mean... I was fine with their dynamic. As I said, the sex is excellent. Um, I shared a couple lines on Twitter while I was reading it. I will link to that below if you would like a little taste of what there is for their dirty talk. And that's seriously just a little taste that I shared on there. This book um, is book four, I believe, in this series. And I would say you definitely do need to read this series in order, in order, in order, in order goodness, you need to read this series um, in order so that you can kind of understand not only the other characters that obviously were coupled up before this, but also kind of the family dynamics and history and, you know, who all the players are, good and bad and stuff like that going on. Um, more so in the previous books, this one really does focus more on these two because they're kind of away from all of that and, you know... Uh, a lot of that other stuff doesn't really come into play on the page so much, more so towards the end, I guess it does. But this one does set up for um, the last two books in the series, kind of sets up some of the storyline and the uh, couples that's going to be on those ones. So I am excited to get my hands on those. I am waiting for them to come in at my library, of course. I really do, I don't know, I just really enjoyed this series. Like I says again and again, I really don't do mafia romance. And I don't really see this as a dark romance. I mean, I suppose you could argue, well, he's a hitman and it's a mafia, so that's dark. But like I says, it's really not dark. Not the way that I see dark when I look at some shit that is being published right now that I will not touch. Um, 
but it's, I guess, more on that gray area. Maybe that's what you want to call it. It's a, it's a gray area romance. <laughs> I don't know. I do like this series. I think that if, if you are okay with reading something that is, you know, connected to the mafia like that, I think you'd really enjoy this series. Um, it's very hot. I like the writing. I like the characters. I like the, you know, the heroines are strong. They don't take any shit. I like that the heroes are, you know, alphas, but they're not alpha holes in any way. Um, I just like, I just like the series. I really do. And I cannot wait to read, I believe it's Aiden's story that's next. And it looks like his heroine was a cop in New York, but she was, um, she was taken down as a dirty cop, even though she didn't do anything wrong, except for she pissed off the wrong person who was in power. So she took the fall for it. Uh, it looks like she's going to be paired up with Aiden and then the final book will be for the, I believe it's the youngest sister, who is a bit of a party girl, wild one. She has her own, you know, I'm sure problems going on why she's acting that way. Uh, because if I remember right, she has like a drug problem too. So I mean, that's what I mean by acting that way. Anyway, she'll be paired up with, I believe it's going to be Dimitri, if I'm remembering the blurb correctly. And he is like part of the, uh, the head of the like Russian mafia or part of it at least, like in New York, and he's kind of, he might be one of the more darker heroes of this series, like, I think he's probably just maybe not quite as good, uh, as far as, like, morally good, I mean, but you know what, I'm, I'm interested to see how that's going to be handled, and like I says, I trust Katie Roberts, so I'm here for it. The narration on this is good, I really don't have any complaints. I, I've listened to all four of these books on audio, and I've, I'm pretty sure it's the same narrator for all of them. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it is the same woman. And I've just, I've liked it. I think she does a good job, and it sounds good on audio, and I enjoy it. I just enjoy this series. So, Forbidden Promises by Katie Roberts. Four stars. Definitely recommend if you want something hot and a little bit more gray area romance, aka not really dark romance, but there's mafia involved. Call it whatever you want. I never know where to label these types of books for this series. I just don't. Kind of romantic suspense, kind of action-adventure. Anyway, we've had this conversation before. I think when I read the third book, I don't know what to label these. But they're good, and they're hot, and I like them. That's all that matters, right? You had to know that that four-star streak was going to end at some point, right? And it did come to a crashing, burning halt with my last read for the week, which was Truth or Beard by Penny Reed. This one is told in dual first POV, so from both the hero and the heroine. <sighs> this one is only going to get one star from me. Now, I have to say, I have heard from so many people over the years that they love Penny Reed's books, that they're so fun, and they're just entertaining, and they've been recommended all the time. I've heard nothing but great things about her books. And so I had this one, and I have a couple others that I've picked up over the years when they were free on Amazon. So I thought, oh, you know what, I need something different. I don't want to read another, you know, arc right now, so let me try one of her books. Maybe I just need to have a fun read. <sighs> this book did not work for me on so many levels. And the thing is, I was not very far into the book when I hit some of my first issues with things, like with some slut-shaming. I went to Twitter and shared that, and I had a couple people that says, you know what, I also have issues with her books, and I thought I was alone because everyone else loves them. And I was like, <laughs> you know, you're not alone. I've got all these things, and I'm only on, like, chapter three. 
Um, so that was at least a good thing. That's what I love about Twitter, right? Is Or just the internet in general. But uh, the fact that when you feel like maybe you're alone, you're not. Just reach out and someone else will go, yep, that was me too. I had that experience. Especially when it's like a book that you're afraid you're the only one that hated it. It's really great when someone else says, nope, you are not alone. I also had issues with it or hated it or both. So I'm going to try and go over the issues I had. And it's probably the easiest way to do it is to share some of the quotes that I highlighted where I had issues with it. And uh, yeah, let's get into this book. So our heroine, Jessica, is a teacher. She came back to her hometown to teach for a couple years. She's hoping to save up money, um, both to pay off like student loans and that, and save up some money because her dream has always been to travel the world. She's always been interested in seeing different countries and different cultures and different things, and that's what she wants to do. But, you know, she has to come home and make some money for that first, and then she's going to be off. She's always had a crush on Bo. Uh, never did act on it, but that was who she crushed on all through her, you know, childhood, high school years and whatever. So when she comes back into town again, she figures that that is, uh, that's how she was always able to tell the twins apart, Bo and Dwayne. She always knew that Bo was the one that made her feel all, you know, butterflies in her stomach and she liked him and Dwayne was the one that she did not like because he was kind of grumpy and he was always kind of rude to her and liked to make fun of her and, you know, do shit that we try to say, oh, little boys will be little boys and treat girls like shit. No, they won't. Stop that. Uh, but that's kind of how she differentiated between the two. So when she sees who she assumes must be Bo, because she's got little butterflies going in her stomach and all that, uh, turns out it's not him. However, she doesn't find that out until after they have a really, really hot makeout session in the, I think it was like the community center back room or something. Anyway, it was quite a hot scene. I'm not going to lie. This was like the first chapter and I was kind of here for this because the kissing and the touching and she's trying to give him a little sneaky hand job during this. Like I was here for this. Okay. And I was even fine at that point with, you know, oh, whoops, it's the wrong twin. And you come to find out that Dwayne, the hero, has actually liked her all along, but he thought that that was the way to treat her. I, I mean, I never quite understood that, that he's liked her all along, so he's treated her kind of like shit as a kid. I didn't quite get that. That wasn't really explained enough for me to buy it. But whatever. Again, I was, I was kind of here. I wasn't terribly mad at this point. She, of course, cannot believe that she just kissed the wrong twin. She's upset that she's been betrayed by her power to tell the twins apart. But she really did like that makeout session, and so now she's all conflicted. Dwayne is uh, a mechanic, uh, along with a couple of his brothers, and he's kind of a daredevil type. He likes to go out and like do racing and dirt racing and like skydiving and all this stuff. He's also got a beard, and I think he's a ginger. Yeah, I'm pretty sure him and at least one of his brothers, at least his twin, is a redhead. So like I said, um, at that point, like their opening, I was I was kind of here for it. And like I said, that, that kissing scene, I was here for it. But then, then stuff started to go downhill quickly because we get his view on his ex that he has been fucking on and off for the last five years. This is what he has to say about her. What Tina had in looks, she lacked in sense. She was shrewd but ignorant. I couldn't talk to her about anything because she didn't know about 
anything other than townie gossip, biker gossip, how to work a pole, and how to spread her legs. Oh, you guys, no. No. All of the fucking no's. No. But you know what? I should have stopped there. I really should have stopped there. That was in chapter three. That was when I got to Twitter and shared all this, right? I should have stopped there because it never got better. And his view on the ex continued to be that derogatory view and slut shaming. And it was just disgusting. Disgusting. Especially coming from the hero. Like, it's bad enough if you get that shit coming from, like, side characters in the book. But when it's coming from who you're supposed to think is the hero, that's not heroic. I don't want that shit in my romance. He goes on at another point when he's trying to kiss Tina to make Jessica jealous, because of course that's gonna work, and he thinks pretending Tina Patterson was Jessica James was like pretending tofu was steak. Despite the disparity in quality, texture, and taste, I soldiered on. What the actual fuck? Like, bad enough when you're trying to compare women in the book, like the heroine to others, like, stop that shit. But what the hell is this comparing tofu and steak and texture and quality and, oh, no, no, fuck right off, dude. Fuck right off. And again, I still kept going. Why the hell did I still keep going? That is going to be the theme for this entire rant. Why did I still keep going? I have no fucking clue. Apparently, I love to torture myself like this. I really need to stop doing that. Let me give you a few more of the examples of when he decides to just treat the ex like shit, okay? So he's talking to um, one of the motorcycle club guys. We'll get into that thing in a little bit. But he's talking to one of the motorcycle club guys. He says, your girl Tina has been keeping lots of our guys real happy. I shrugged. Why would I mind? She was never my girl. Besides, spreading happiness is what she does best. Again, fuck you. Here's another one about Tina. Now, this was not from Dwayne. This is from his twin. But my reaction of, you can go fuck yourself, still applies. Tina, honey, there's more to you than your snatch. You have a brain upstairs. Might be worth dusting it off every once in a while, though. Fuck you again. As if that wasn't enough, there was also this other kind of throwaway scene line in the book that was super fucking racist, and I do not know how it got past any editor, but okay, whatever. So they're talking about one of his other brothers, Cletus. I actually liked Cletus a little bit. I'll talk about him in a little bit. Uh, but they're talking about when he goes out to hunt wild boars, I believe it was, in like Texas or something. And he says, quote, He does it with a bunch of Native American fellows. They're good guys. They all get together and run around the forest in loincloths. No, that's not right. Also, you're not going to be able to tell by me telling you this, but the way that it's written in the book, Native is not capitalized, but Americans Fellows is. I don't understand. Other than, hell no. Acting like he just decides to go running around with some Native Americans and wear loincloths with them and they can just go hunt in the forest. Like, no. Don't do that. White people, stop. Then there's the fact that I had an issue with the way that he treated her sexuality basically and by that I mean she was from like very early on you know she wanted to jump his bones she was all on board for this and he would keep pushing her away and his reasoning going through his mind was that like he didn't want to basically he didn't want to dirty her in any way like he didn't want to soil her um, until it was a good time for him, like his perfectly planned out place and time. And it would have been great if they were married, but maybe at least in a good relationship. And he wanted it to be in a nice bed and he wanted to, you know, treat her well. And 
on the surface, that kind of, I guess, maybe is meant to come across as sweet, but it just left a really, really sour taste on my mouth the whole time because it felt like he was trying to control her sexuality. She wanted to have sex with him. He would keep pushing her away. Now, he would, like, give her an orgasm, but he wouldn't have sex with her until he deemed that it was the perfect time for them to have sex. And it's just the way that he kind of treated her as if, like, I don't know. I It, it just gave me a really, really not good feeling. Um, and, like, it wasn't something that was, like, explicitly there. I could be reading into it, but I seem to recall at least one other reader on Twitter that kind of mentioned this when we were talking about it earlier in the week. Um, it just didn't come across that great. It did not feel at all sex positive, and it felt like he was trying to control her sexual agency, or rather her lack thereof. And he just was always putting her, and he even said this at one point, literally, that he was always putting her on, like, this pedestal. And, again, I think it was meant to come across as, like, kind of a, aw, sweet thing to do. He cares about her. He wants to take care of her and respect her. But that's not how I took any of it. It was just really annoying the way that he would put her on this pedestal. But yet he didn't actually want to, I don't know, like actually do anything to her or with her or you know I it just it just came across and really wrong it rubbed me the wrong way and then on top of all that it's a slow burn which I've said before that in and of itself is not my problem however their kissing and makeout scenes were really hot and I was like excited I thought okay well, this is going to get good when they finally get going but when they finally do have sex it was this really quick, vague, disappointing thing, and then that was it. And then I think we get kind of a glossed-over, fade-to-black type thing once or twice more before the end of the book, and that was it. And, I mean, I kind of knew this going in because I remember a couple other readers talking about how she really doesn't do, you know, explicit sex scenes, if she does them at all in her book. So it's not that I was mad about that. It's just that it was disappointing after what we got from the, basically like their foreplay early on in the book. I was expecting a lot more than what I got. So that was just a big old pile of disappointing shit on top of everything else that was wrong about this book or that pissed me off. The other thing is this book seemed to really drag. Now that could be because, you know, I was kind of hate reading this book to the end. So Maybe that was just on me that I felt like this took me days to read and I felt like I was never going anywhere. Like I'd flip and flip and I moved 2% in like an hour. But then we get towards, I don't know, maybe the last half of the book or so. All this shit just got thrown in, like all this drama and stuff. And I'm going to spoil this book for you. Just, just letting you know right here. So you come to find out that the motorcycle club that's there in town, they've been trying to like blackmail him and his brothers for something that one of their older brothers did for him, except for you find out that it wasn't just him and that it they don't actually have a whole lot of blackmail on him. Like there's a whole thing there. I won't try to explain all of that. But anyway, we get all that thrown in. And then Jessica finds out that her aunt is not her aunt. That was her mother, her biological mother. And she finds this out after the aunt slash biological mother passes away from, I believe it was cancer, and then leaves Jessica with all this money because apparently she was filthy rich. So she leaves her her estate and all her money and like her patents for, I think she was like an engineer or something. Like she was a, I don't know, she did something. And anyway, she left all of her, her ways to continue to earn the money off of all that uh, work to Jessica. And that's when she finds out from 
um, her mother that, hey, I'm not actually your mother. I'm your aunt, and your aunt that just died was your mother. Surprise! And then we kind of get, and it's never explicitly said, but I'm pretty sure that I'm correct here, that when she's talking to one of the motorcycle guys, like one of the higher-ups in the in the gang or whatever, that it sounds like he might have been her biological father because he tells her that he knew her aunt uh, when they were, like, in college and that, and he kind of, you know, acts funny as, as he's talking about her and, like, doesn't want to say whether or not she used to have a boyfriend at the time, you know, because Jessica's trying to find out, hey, who could my father be? Maybe this guy that knew her during that age range, maybe he knows who she might have been dating at the time. And it's just the way that he reacted. I'm pretty sure that's what they're going for. Maybe it's revealed in a future book that that's supposed to be his, her biological father. So, like, again, we're just getting all this shit thrown in in, like, the last, I don't know, maybe 20% of the book at this point. And then, of course, the motorcycle club decides that they're going to take a step up and do more than just threaten to blackmail the brothers. So they use Tina, who's been sleeping with some of them or whatever. They use her to get to Jessica and... Uh, I think it was one of Jessica's friends or something. Anyway, to basically kidnap them and hold them hostage there to get Dwayne and his brothers to show up. Like, it was just this whole unnecessary drama. I felt like, this is a contemporary I'm reading. I didn't go into this reading about a motorcycle club or, like, a suspense element or all this unnecessary drama. Like, it just came out of nowhere and it was just like, here it is. And I didn't feel like any of it was really tackled or resolved. I mean, like, the whole thing with oh, this was your mother, not your aunt. Like, that's just kind of sprinkled in, and now she's rich, and she can do whatever she wants, and there's the end of the book. Like, that was it. It just, none of it really worked out for me, you guys. I mean, I could see, as I was reading, I could see parts of why so many people love her books. Like, I could see some of the funny lines, and the funny quotes, and you know, some of the interactions with the brothers and like Cletus, like I was saying, I think I liked him the most. Um, he has some really fun lines and stuff and I could see all of that. And like I was talking about the makeout scenes, the kissing was hot. Like I could see some of the potential for why so many people love it, but that was buried under so much other shit that I just, it couldn't save the book for me. Uh, it didn't even begin to cover it. I don't know that I'm going to try reading anymore from her, to be quite honest, because I just was so disappointed and, and ragey at a lot of this book. I don't know that I want to waste my time on any others, even though, like I said, I think I've got two or three others on my Kindle, which were all free. I know for a fact I would not buy one of her books. I'll put it that way. Maybe I'll try one of the freebies again, or I think some of them have started showing up on my library's overdrive. Maybe I'll try one from there. I'm in no hurry at all, and I can't even promise that I will try one. If I do, maybe it would be Cletus, because I, I did kind of like him, and I'd like to know more about him. But again, I just, uh, I don't know. I just don't know, you guys. Oh, did I happen to mention, I should have done this before I, like, ended that, but there was a point where Tina had brought over a new, like, boyfriend, and it's supposed to be one of the motorcycle guys, and it was meant to be more fun, and I might be reading too much into this because the whole thing was, you know, he's part of the gang now, so he's got a, a name through them, you know, a nickname or whatever, a club name. But I guess his name used to be like Isaac, 
but he's trying to tell him, no, my name is Twilight now. And, like, everyone keeps bothering him. And they're like, Twilight's not a name. What do you mean, Twilight? I've known you since you were a baby. Your name is Isaac. And maybe I've got the name wrong. But anyway, your name was this. You're not Twilight. Who the hell is Twilight? And, like, this went on. And, like I says, it was meant, I think, to be kind of like a ha ha Why would he pick this weird name, like Twilight? And that's supposed to be, like, a club name. But the only thing I could think while reading this was... I could see easily how this could have been used by her in a bad way. Um, because I could picture if she had, for example, a transgender character in one of their stories, and I could see this being the scene for that character, where they're saying, this this is who I am and my gender and my name, please don't call me anything else, and all these other characters like making a joke out of it and being like, no, we've known you since you were a baby, this was supposed to be your name. Again, I'm probably reading too much into that because this, you know, this character was not trans and that's really wasn't the point of any of that joke here, but I just, it left a sour taste in my mouth because unfortunately I could easily picture Penny Reed trying to do that with a trans character and maybe that's me judging unfairly because I don't know that she's even written one to, you know, good or bad in any of her books, but do you know what I'm, do you know where I'm coming from, I suppose, with why that scene hit me wrong, especially with we've got this slut-shaming and this sexist, misogynistic bullshit going on, and then we've got that racist thing with the Native Americans and loincloths thing. Like, I feel like it's not a stretch for me to be worried that this this fun quote or fun um, scene could have instead been changed into a hurtful weapon against a trans character. Again, I'm probably reading way too much into that. That's not what was in this book. But it it stood out to me anyway, and it really bothered me when I was reading that. So, Truth or Beard by Penny Reed was a fail for me. It really did not work out for me. I should have DNF'd it. I should have DNF'd it after the first um, slut-shaming that he did about his ex. I should have just dropped it then. Instead, I literally crawled painfully through the rest of it just so that I could say, hey, I finished another book for the year. Let me go rant about it. Um, and, you know, I did. I finished it. I really didn't like it. There was a couple things that was okay. Nothing that could save all of the other bullshit going on in it. So again, this one only gets one star from me. I really can't recommend it to others. If you're already a fan of her books, I'm not judging you. You you read them, you be happy with them. That's great. I really don't think that her books are ever going to work for me based on this and based on what a few others who had similar experiences to mine with other books from her. Like the ones I was talking to that said this to me, they didn't read this particular one. They read other ones and had similar issues with some of this stuff. So I don't think this one's for me. I think it's just time to cut my losses and move on to some other authors to try. So I'm currently in the middle of my first Leah Riley book, Virgin Territory, which comes out on March 6th. A ginger hockey player who happens to be a virgin? Um, yes, please, and thank you. I am actually really enjoying this one so far. I know that a few others uh, that I'm watching that are reading it as well are not loving it as much, and I'm kind of curious to see if if I end up understanding why by the time I'm through with it or by the time they post the review or whatever. But, I mean, I really don't care. They could all hate it. It wouldn't matter because I'm having a good time, especially after some of the last reads that have either been slow or, like, the last one that just pissed me off. 
This one is just hitting all my good spots, and I'm okay with that. I don't care if you don't like it. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I am cautiously optimistic that I will finish the Leah Riley book within the next day or so, maybe even before you actually hear this podcast. Fingers crossed that would be awesome if I could finish it by then. So I think after I finish it, I think I'm going to go back to an older arc that I have because I really need to work on my um, NetGalley numbers because I one clicked a whole lot of books, but I haven't actually read or reviewed a whole lot of books. And that's a problem. So I'm trying to work on that. Um, so I think I'm going to pick up Heat Wave by Elise Springer, which is a contemporary FF. It would be my first time reading this author. And yeah, I've talked about, you know, trying new authors more often and also reading more than just MM romance. When I'm reading queer romances, I wanted to actually expand beyond that more. So this would hit both of those spots quite nicely. As to my audiobook, I am currently listening to A Duke to Remember by Kelly Bowen. Since I really liked book one, uh, which I read, I don't know, probably late last year, I believe, I figured it was time to pick up the next book. So the opening scene in this one was really fun. The heroine was in disguise, dressed up as a male doctor while on an assignment. She kind of works like a spy, private investigator, will do whatever to get rid of your problems type of a person. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what label you want to put on her because I don't think she ever says, here's the title of what I do. She's just, she's pretty awesome. That's it. She's pretty awesome. Anyway, um, so far, so good. I'm liking this one. I'm pretty sure you can hear our TV in the background again. I'm sorry. Welcome to my life. Uh, I wish that I did not have to listen to it either, but the joys of living with family. By the way, I'm pretty sure they're listening to cops because that is what will always be on if my aunt is the one in possession of the remote. So that's my Friday. What about you? Tell me, what are you reading this weekend? I want to know. I hope it's good. But if it's not, you know I'm always up for a good book rant as well. I hope you enjoyed this week's Whatcha Reading Chat. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and fall in love with some fantastic books. Until next time, enjoy TBQ.